Okay, it's another Thursday night. Thanks everybody for showing up or tuning in or listening in at some time in the in the future. This is Real Monsters. I'm your host S.K. Barrett, and joining me is my partner in crime, though not literally, Wes Hobrick. <laughs> no, not literally, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> as far as anyone knows, hopefully. Uh. Happy 2020 to you and to everyone listening. Your first show of the year. First show of the year, yeah. I had to I had to bail out last week. I apologize for that, but shit happens. Yeah, it does. It definitely does happen. All right, we got a lot of cover, so let's jump right in. Um, I understand we have a few points of this week in crime history. And we do have a little bit of news. Um, Well, you might as well start it off on a funny note. Um, The guys in Mississippi busted for gluing winning lotto numbers onto a losing lottery ticket. Not sure how they (laughs) thought that was going to work. It was for the... They went for the big score anyway. It was apparently a $100,000 ticket that they altered. Oh, jeez. So, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's just weird. Nobody'll ever know. <laughs> nope. You're just brilliant. Let's I don't know see. what these these black stripes are at the bottom, but we'll just put these <laughs> glue these digits in place. That'll work. Why does this ticket smell funny? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Uh let's see. The Australian wildfires, the bushfires, pretty interesting. They've arrested so far 180 people for starting a fire intentionally. Holy The authorities have. There was one guy out of there as well. He was a firefighter busted for um, unspecified sex offenses and also for um, starting 17 of the fires. So you're talking about a classic serial arsonist who's out there probably, you know, somewhere near the scene, pleasuring mm-hmm. himself after he does it, because that's what these that's guys what they do. do. But they yeah. don't do it to roast marshmallows. Nope. It's sexual. Yeah. But let's see. The Kevin Bacon murder case in Michigan. God, is that weird or what? Ed, man, that's fucked up. Guy went to another guy's house. The guy's name is Kevin Bacon. The uh, hey, that's weird enough, right there. <laughs> the uh, grinder date. These guys met on Grinder. They go there, and apparently, this guy takes Mr. Bacon and castrates him. Um, then it indulges in cannibalism with what he's cut off and. Just left the guy hanging there by his uh, ankles in the house. So, well, that's that may be a little bit fortunate that he was hung that direction. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think that his he's less likely to lose as much blood. Yeah, could be more likely to lose less blood or something in those lines. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, wait. Yeah, it was. He slit his throat, too. That's what Oh, well, there's that. that. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. It... 
<laughs> um, let's see. I, yeah, I'm sorry for Kevin Bacon that he was murdered. That's fucked up. I'm yeah. not laughing at that. I'm laughing at oh, my no. mistake. Yeah, not at all. But let's see. Oh, yeah. Florida deputies respond to screams for help and they find out it's a parrot. Ah. Florida parrot. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. Let's see. Oh, yeah. There was that case out of Idaho where they identified a torso. A, um, yeah. It was a 1916 axe murder suspect, and they finally found out who this guy was from forensic genealogy. So it's really? officially the oldest case they've solved from it. Really? They uh, they they kept some DNA around from this guy? Um, apparently, he had a hit with somebody in one of those companies' uh, yeah, databases. Yeah, no, but I mean, this guy was discovered like a long time ago, right? No, was he? I thought they just recently found. I thought that, he was. I thought he so. okay. So maybe I misunderstood. He was killed a long time ago. Yes, in okay. 1916. Yep, and then they just found it. So Okay, so that, that makes more sense. Yep, it'd be interesting to see where that goes. Very promising science. Let's see. Oh, actress with a role in Captain America film charged with stabbing her mother in Olathe, Kansas. Is, should that really be a crime? <laughs> well, Olathe is an interesting city, right over there by Kansas City. Oh, For the most it? part, in that area, it's just a lot of um, business. You know, it's like it's an area where people go to work. They commute in, they work for the day, and they leave. But okay, um, yeah, accused of stabbing her and killing her sixty-eight-year-old mother. Wow. So she'll be up for an Oscar this year. Oh, probably. See if there's any sex crimes in there, too. <laughs> well, actually, she won't. Whoever plays her will be. Probably. <laughs> but that is all I have for news. Okay. Well, we got to do this warning bit. Yes. This is going to be a pretty intense one. Ladies and gentlemen and squirrels and buffalo or whoever's listening, this is some fucked up shit. I honestly don't know if we are going to cover somebody who is more of a dyed-in-the-wool sexual sadist than this guy. You know, fish maybe. Yeah. I mean, fish. Fish was just, but he was like all over the map too. Yes. Um, yeah. Like he said, a rat's nest with yeah. him. Ray, but, uh, Ray, he was a lot more focused. Kind of ruthlessly analytical in a lot of ways too, as I think people will see. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's the warning. This is going to have some. Graphic, brutal, heinous, and vile acts of murder and sexual depravity both described and in the crime scene photos that we are going to show. So, 
if that is going to get to you, do turn this off. Yeah. Sorry, I'm <laughs> getting a picture of our our guy there. Yeah. Um, you know, I suppose we could start the tale. Yeah, a little bit of a it? description. Elephant Butte, New Mexico. I have never heard of that town. Not that I know a lot of towns in New Mexico, but I've been, I have crossed the state a few times. I have as well. I haven't been down that far south in it, but I have been there. Um, Elephant Butte is about two hours north of the Mexican border. There's about 700 households. Most of them are retirees, and there's quite a few of them who are making below 30K a year. So, you know, lower middle class. Maybe not necessarily poverty, but it's a town where really not much happens. You know, okay. there's a lake I, on I gotta, it. I got to look this up, see where. Oh, yeah, there's a nice big lake. Now, one um, town that's by it that more people might have heard of is Truth or Consequences. Yeah, I've been through there on uh, the way it, to uh, Nogales. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, TRC is right by there, and that for people who um, don't know, Truth or Consequences was named after the 50s game show of the same name. Yeah, I'm not sure how that they did that. Didn't they have like a contest or something? I I don't know the history of that. All I know is that, it, from what I recall, it was like a you know a town meeting you know resolution, and it seemed to me, from what I recall, it was like so many people in the town watched the show and they wanted to get some attention for the sh for the town, and so they voted to rename the show the town after the show. Uh-huh. Yeah, I couldn't remember how exactly that went down either, but yeah, Elephant Butte is over there by it. Um, like I said, town where not much happens. And on March 22nd, 1999, in the middle of the day, there's a 22-year-old woman, stark naked with nothing but a dog collar and a chain on, running down a uh, dirt road in Elephant Butte, screaming help, help, and looking for just anything. You know, anything where she could run to and somebody would help her. Wow. And she finds a trailer, beats on the door, and luckily the homeowner was there. Gets in, and she basically collapses while she's trying to say what happened to her, and this guy calls the police um, to help her. And that's where... And we say again what year that was? 1999. Okay. Um, and that was Cynthia Vigil, age 22. And then from there is when we get into all this other stuff. But David Parker Ray, the man who did all this, who, per who perpetrated the kidnappings, the uh, t brutal tortures, and often selling the women into slavery in Mexico when he was done. Is, he wouldn't always kill them. In fact, most often, that's what he would do, is sell them into slavery. Really? Yeah. 
there's really there can be no hard number on the amount that he killed, although they speculate about 30 that he actually killed. Personally, um, that he personally killed. Yes. And and how do they kind of arrive at that number, I, I wonder? They arrived at that through um, talking to the people closest to him to try to get at things that he might have said over the years. Okay. And we'll get into the reason why they couldn't really interview him when we get further on, but um, Ray was a park ranger for the uh, New Mexico State Parks Department. He was uh, very accomplished oh, no. as, a, as a mechanic. <laughs> um, you know, but, he wasn't as, all that. But as a ranger... It gives him more authority. Well, it gives him, and it gives him access to some places most people, a lot of people wouldn't have uh, access to. You know, mm-hmm. remote areas that he, you know, that might be locked, you know, behind a locked gate. Yes. Yeah, it does that, too. Which I don't know if it's the same way out in Washington, but the Rangers here yeah. in Illinois, they don't even have to have a search warrant. If they think something is happening. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't even have to meet a standard for probable cause if they think something is happening. They can just come right in. Which it's messed up, I know, but but you know, it's people... also but it's also state property, right? Well, not necessarily just on state property either. Okay. If they think it's a crime that's related to like the uh, white-tailed deer population around here, mm-hmm. I mean, we're the mo- our county, the county I'm in, is the most populous for white-tailed deer in the state of Illinois. So, uh, I mean, they take it seriously, but I don't know if that would give Ray the same amount of authority out there, but that's how it is here with the game wardens and rangers. Um, But Ray was raised by his very strict fundamentalist grandparents in um, New Mexico. Spent a lot of time on their ranch, which his dad was a uh, drunk, and his mom basically... She dropped him and his sister Nettie off there when they were very young and said, I just can't deal with raising these kids. You do it to her parents. Wow. Um, and then but, did she just like disappear forever or she come back? Do you know? My understanding, they had a little bit of a relationship, but there was absolutely nothing happening emotionally between them. So, you know, she might drop by for whatever reason, but there was nothing else happening. But um, his grandparents, like I said, violently strict religious fundamentalists. Um, And Ray was actually often uh, bullied and beaten at school because of the dress code that his granddad would make him wear. Oh, no. So... Yeah, yeah, kids kids are kids are awful. <laughs> they can be cruel. Oh yeah. But then he was also beaten by his granddad too and his dad when he would come around. Cecil was his name. Um so Ray spends you know, most of his time alone on his granddad's ranch doing whatever. And his yeah, sister probably trying to avoid being beaten. 
Probably. Probably, but his sister described finding um, bondage porn in his room when he was only 13. Wow. So like hardcore bondage porn. That's that's heavy shit for a kid. Yeah. Hell, well, in a, for a lot of adults. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it, apparently it was his dad who was giving it to him. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, which gets into that lost sense of, you know, relationship that he must have had with him. He thought, oh, this is something that we can get close over, you know? Well, and also, you know, because his dad's beating him, it will link um, violence and sex. Very true, too. So you have kind of this perfect storm brewing, Mm -hmm. as it were. But Ray boasted of his first murder at age 14 when he abducted a woman at knife point, tied her to a tree, and tortured her to death. Wow. Uh, Yeah. So this would have been in the uh, 50s, roughly. um, Is there any indication of who she was? Was she ever discovered that we know of? Nope. Not that I saw. Hmm. Zero indication with that. But he um, married twice, met his third wife in 1966. He was 27. She was 18. Um, He had a daughter, Glenda Jean Jessie Ray, in 1967. And she's going to come up as being vitally important later on in this, too. Okay. Um, But by 1969... Ray was hitchhiking across New Mexico with a pretty blonde named Sally. And they end up shacking up with the uh, owner and his girlfriend of a uh, truck stop in New Mexico. Okay. And uh, she, Sally, apparently told the uh, truck stop owner and his girlfriend that she was pregnant by Ray. And that Ray took her virginity. And what happens soon after? Sally disappears. Yeah. And it, the uh, the truck stop owner, he didn't see any reason to really question Ray about that. So and she, it, oh, she disappeared while they were staying there. Yes. Ray That's a said, bold move. "Oh, oh yeah." Oh, most definitely. And then Ray says, of course, oh, she's a free spirit. She must have wandered off or something. Right. And they just, you know, they saw no reason to really question it. Yeah, why not? They hitchhiked to their to their doorstep. So, you know, that's not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it really isn't. But um, soon after that, he moves back in with his family. Two more failed marriages, and then in the early 80s, he moves to Elephant Butte, and he, um, when he takes that job as a ranger, he gets land and a uh, trailer leased to him by the state. Okay. And throughout this entire time, he's keeping himself very much embedded with the uh, underground bondage community, basically. Yeah, it wasn't, this is, you know, reminder, pre-internet days, you yeah. had to be 
a lot more circumspect about how you, uh, you know, found people in these different, in your kinks. You couldn't oh, just, absolutely. You couldn't just, you know, go online and find a group to, to hang out with. You had to, you know, you had to ask around, but you couldn't just ask around, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. I mean, you had to know, you know, what you were doing and where to go. Who uh, to ask, how to ask, how to look like you fit in with, you know, and act like you fit in. And, uh, you know, it, it's a much more delicate process that when you have to do it all in person. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And um, getting back a bit to what we were talking about with him being a ranger and those different areas, the lake, the yeah. Elephant Butte Lake is filled with huge catfish and dark algae. And one thing that Ray realized with that is the perfect spots to dump bodies in there. And he um, was now, able to... Is this, is this, it looks like it might be the product of a dam. Do we know if that's the case? I'm not sure about that part. I right. think it was it's about by 25 the Rio... acres big, though. It's fed by the Rio Grande. Okay. So I didn't do that much um, looking... of a dig into yep. that. But... I, I'm, I'm looking at the satellite view, and there is, in fact, a dam. So it's a man-made lake. Interesting. But um, Ray had a business partner in 1989 that he killed, and apparently he put him in there. And the guy floated back up to the surface. Oopsie. And Ray, <laughs> Ray discovered this, and it was from here that he um, refined his process for dumping bodies. He realized that you need to cut the cavities open, stuff them with rocks, and then tie it up with chicken wire. And then, <sighs> um, essentially from there, the catfish will take over and eat most of it. And the ones, you know, that the catfish don't eat will be obscured by the dark algae. Yeah, because one of the problems with just dumping a body is that it bloats and fills with gases. Yes. Rises back to the surface. Right. So, um, the, rocks, yeah. the rocks will help weight it down, plus cutting open will allow the gases to escape. Yep. But, um... Yeah, that guy, his business partner, Billy Ray Bowers, who he killed. We know he killed, but there was no um, charges ever brought up on him either. That was 1989. Just so 10 not years. enough evidence? I honestly am not sure. But I mean, it would have to be something like that. I would think so, because Ray, um, he... Well, we can get into that later as to why. I mean, uh, he, he, he doesn't seem, he's doesn't, he's not in a socioeconomic class where he would have pull. No. No, I mean, it wasn't that. Right. He, um, I, yeah, I guess it is kind of spoiling it a bit, but. No, 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 no we'll, we'll come back to it. Okay. <laughs> okay, we can come back to it. Um, Yeah, is during this time, you know, he's. He's refining his M.O. with actually getting the women, too, and that is he kidnaps, tortures, in the process he makes and sells snuff films of all this. Does he and sell he, those? Yes. 
also on the uh, black market, of course. And then he sells captive into slavery in Mexico. See, I was informed at some point that snuff films were a fiction. Mm, Most of the time they are. But with Ray, they were as real as he can get. Yeah. I mean, he sold a good lot of them, but there were many that he kept as well. And that was actually how they were able to identify two victims. But um, he was very careful with that. He would always obscure their faces, and he would always use, like, tape to uh, cover up any identifying marks, like Uh, tattoos. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a smart guy. Yeah. There's no doubt about it, but, um, you know, one thing that was kind of weird about him during his time in Elephant Butte, he had yeah. a reputation for being very kind to animals and actually um, rehabilitating ones that were hurt. Okay. That is so opposite of what's expected. Oh, yeah. From a pers- From a serial killer, we have been told... You know, a million times over, you know, cruelty to animals is an indicator, is a precursor. Oh, absolutely. Nobody's ever said kindness to animals. No. I mean, the cruelty thing is part of the uh, McDonald triad, the triad of sociopathy. Right. But you just, yeah, I mean, I don't know why he did that, but... um. You know, in the process, he's building up his M.O., and and he has also started construction on what he calls the toy box, which is a uh, double-wide tractor trailer that is basically his dungeon, his sets then. And he dropped, I need to find, $100,000 on everything to make this. Here's this uh, kind of x-ray view of it. Yes. We have that, and I think we have some shots of the inside. Right. I'll bring those up as, uh, as it goes along. But I, I don't want actually... to give away too much all at once. Yeah. Yeah, but this is, yeah, this is the x-ray view. In the middle, you can see a uh, gynecological table, various ropes and pulleys to um, get limbs in the proper position. I see a television, uh, shelves and cabinets. It looks like a computer. Uh, yes. Overhead? Is that an overhead projector? Yes. The uh, overhead projectors, he would get a video feed onto that other television and force the captive to watch as he tortures them. Watch their own torture. Watch their own torture. Which is a level of sadism that is pretty profound, in my opinion. And how much did you say he spent on this? A hundred thousand dollars. Jesus. In that kind of money. Where the hell did he get the money for this? That's I mean, a he's good a question. fucking park ranger. 
That's a really good question. I am not sure unless it was his black market activities. Or Grandpa's Farm, maybe? Could be. You know, Grandpa dies, leaves the ranch, they sell it off. Something like that, maybe. But um, I had talked to a couple of people who are active in the uh, underground BDSM community. Not at this level. They do everything, you know, legally with consent, of course. Mm -hmm. And they had said that 10000 would be a lot of money to spend on your um, kink, as it were, on your fetish. So you put it up to one hundred k. That's yeah. That's wow. Yeah. Heck, my my source called it Disneyland at one hundred k. Well, I mean, in New Mexico back in when did he start this in the eighties? He started it around. Um, I want to say it was nineteen ninety one, and he was okay. done by nineteen ninety three. Still. You could probably buy a house oh, in yeah. New Mexico for that money at the time. Oh, yeah. Especially in Elephant Butte. Yeah. But... So, wow. Oh, I'm sure it had extra insulation and, you know, Oh, it was soundproofed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was soundproofed. He had uh, medical devices in there. He had... Books on um, female anatomy, human sexuality, uh, psychology, witchcraft, Satanism, and yeah, and here's an outside view. Yeah, scalpels and everything. And as he was building the toy box and sort of refining his MO still, um, Jesse, coming back into the picture, his daughter, she really adored David Parker Gray. And he didn't do anything to hide his deviancies from her. Really? And in fact, in huge part, they kind of rubbed off on her in very disturbing ways. And she actually helped him snatch a lot of the women that went into the toy box. Wow. But she didn't know what was going to happen, though, I'm sure. Oh, she knew later on. I'm not uh, sure if she knew earlier, but later on, there's no doubt about it, she knew. Um, let's see, when she was 19, though, she actually went to the FBI about her dad when she witnessed him torture a prostitute to the point that she ran naked out of his house, screaming. Wow. And she saw this. She goes to the FBI and tells her what she saw. The FBI dragged David Parker Ray in there. And he basically tells them, yeah, I like doing this. This is my kink. And they're just sitting there flabbergasted. And there's nothing they can get the guy on. Because it was all consensual at that point. Well, according to him. Yeah, well, yeah, they didn't have evidence to the contrary, though. Right. That's the problem. Um, they couldn't so, charge him. They cut him loose. And were there repercussions for the daughter? She, after that, I think she kind of got jaded on law enforcement. And she basically said, it's futile. I'm just going to 
you know, go and get even closer with that in a lot of very disturbing ways. Um, in fact, she had a uh, son about two years after that, and there was a theory going around that Ray was the father. Hmm. So there might have been an incestuous relationship going on there, too. Oh, and yeah, I had forgot about that little detail. Ray actually told the FBI that he couldn't get off with think without thinking about murdering a woman. <laughs> yeah, and you know it, what? You know what? I mean, it's shocking. But even admitting that is not they can't do anything about that. Because yeah. admitting you like to think about it is not a crime. Right. Exactly. But that whole episode, it resulted in 13 more years of freedom for David Parker Ray. Wow. And an untold amount of deaths and, you know, kidnappings and slaves. Uh, but yeah, it's just amazing. But yeah, his um, MO would be to kidnap and then bring them into the toy box and one thing that he liked to do he was doing this so often this stage of it that he actually recorded an audio tape that he called his introductory tape to play to the women and oh I oh my god like an yeah. orientation tape yes yes i mean that's exactly what it was and I, I went through the entire transcript of this so other people didn't have to. And Jesus. I picked out a few of the uh, details. Yeah, he starts by going into minute detail, describing the conditions of a slave, captive, down to wrists, legs, and neck locks. Um, Ray, direct quote, I'm going to tell you in detail why you've been kidnapped. You'll be raped thoroughly and repeatedly in every hole you've got. Um, kept naked and chained up like an animal. Hmm. And it, it's interesting, both Ray and his girlfriend, who will come into this picture later on, Cindy Hendy, kept sex slaves. Really? Yeah. Yep. And they kept some of these women for over three months in the toy box. Holy other shit. ones, other ones like um, Cynthia Viggle, the one that I mentioned at the beginning, who managed to escape. Yeah. She was only in there for three days. Okay. But others were in there for three months. Um, let's see. They preferred girls and mid-teens, but they would snatch anything that they could. Um, sexually developed small bodies and quote easy to train and it ray goes on in the tape if that sort of woman isn't available i will hunt for a big-titted lesbian at the gay bars really if that doesn't work quote anything young clean and well built um kept one sometimes two slaves in the slave room isn't it interesting the 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 language he uses he doesn't say anyone he says anything yes depersonalize it yeah exactly um 
let's see, it's soundproof, it's escape-proof, it's stocked with, quote, devices. He says, even on the tape, I've been a rapist since puberty. Another direct quote from him, I don't give a flying fuck about your mind. Um, followed by a warning not to personalize oneself. Why? We're just kind of weird in there. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes against the... Uh, sadistic streak yeah did not do that but um let's see quote i i make it a point never to like a slave well yeah probably not yeah um let's see i'm not sure that's ever much of a risk for this guy oh no not at all but um he describes that he keeps them all like the animals that he keeps had a lot of dogs, and that's going to come into it again here a little bit later on in a very disturbing way. Um, feeding him once a day, giving him water once a day, keeping him what he's called reasonably clean. Mm. Um, let's see. Quote, I am into animal sex. Anal. Um, large dildos in both holes, you're going to get those a lot. Um, you're going to give both your master and your mistress, he insisted on, he and Hendy being called that, oral sex up to three times a day on her. Evidently, she could get off pretty quick, according to what Ray said. Um, Hendy preferred keeping a slave indefinitely. Ray preferred variety. Um... And he actually put the number in that tape that he snatched at four or five a year. And that has been, you know, for a very long time. He says, I don't like killing a girl unless it's absolutely necessary. And quote, I get off on mind games. Clearly. Mm hmm. So, so murder was not his objective. It was a you know, in his mind, sometimes a necessity. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair assessment. But um, when he does have to kill him, he describes a bit of the method of disposal. And this is for actually all of them that he um, lets go. Sometimes he would take them and he would dump them on a dirt road, disoriented too. Yeah. Um, But his process here was... He would drug them heavily with a combination of sodium pentothal and um, phenobarbital. And for days, they're going to be kept in that state while he plays with their head, basically. With the goal of them um, forgetting the entire experience, amnesia. Mm. But let's see... Then after that, when you are actually going to be released, you're going to be bathed thoroughly, and we're going to cleanse all your holes very thoroughly. Man. But yeah, I mean, it goes on. The steel collar on the neck is padlocked to a ring on the floor, by the way, but the heavy chain. Uh, Steel walls and floors in the toy box 
ceiling completely soundproof, steel door with two keyed locks, welded on hinges, and two heavy deadbolts on the outside. Um, he also has electronic sensors in their enclosed circuit TV, both to, um, as we described it, as we showed it, so he could play their torture for them, and actually into his bedroom. Wow. He had a closed circuit system. Quote, if everybody knew how much fun it was to keep a sex slave, half the women would be chained up in somebody's basement. Hmm. I think that's a bit of projection. (laughs) Probably. Um, You know, in there, on the walls, he had a bunch of satanic shit, too. I think as a scare tactic. Yeah. Um, Actually, on another audio tape he recorded, he said he was a dungeon master for the Church of Satan. And that the uh, acolytes, the local acolytes of the church and the members of the church would come over and use the slaves too now that part's probably not true but we do know that ray would have some close friends that he would allow into the toy box to use these women too we're not totally sure who all of those people were but we do know a couple of them that we'll be talking a bit more about here later okay but um, let's see. Post there was a poster in there as well. It says, "If they're worth taking, they're worth keeping." Um, Jesus. Yeah. Once in a while, as well, they would take a slave to the bedroom in chains. Of course, they had another chain on the floor in there too, if I recall. That they would put the uh, the neck on through to keep them contained see like I said I'm going through my notes here now this is another pretty disturbing part this is where I said to get back into the uh, dogs he had an apparatus a wooden apparatus in his living room that he would strap a slave to basically in the position for you know, copulation, dog-style copulation. He would use breeder's musk, and his always horny German shepherds would basically mount the slave. And... Wow. Yeah. And apparently a German shepherd's member gets knotted about the size of a baseball during this. Right. When it's still inside. Which I is didn't something that I did. big. That's what he says on the tape. But let's see, he says, I like watching that. Jesus. Yeah, like I said, this guy's one of the sicker ones. Um going through the rest of this here as soon as a rule is told to a slave it quote becomes law punishment for rule violations is whip or electroshock he would often do it to the genitals and the um, nipples Mm. repeat offenders quote get me very upset and you will get no slack after the first day 
You are a slave. I am your master. She, Cindy Hendy, is your mistress. The laws. Number one, be totally docile. Number two, speak only when spoken to. Number three, do not initiate conversation unless it's to use restroom. And in that case, he even tells them what to say. Master, may I please use the restroom? To do what, he will reply, piss or crap. Wow. Um, yes or no questions. Yes, master. No mistress. Respond to all commands with zero resistance. Which um, actually gets into the 16 techniques of brainwashing, too. Flip ahead to that just a second. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this guy... I mean, uh, he didn't really need to brainwash him, honestly. No. Because he had full physical control over him. He did not need cooperation. No. I mean, he could force cooperation is what I'm getting at. Yes. Yes, but then, you know, I think you're looking at it. Like he said, he gets off on mind games. It would be almost like taking the sport out of it. If he didn't, you know, go for the brainwashing side, too. Mm. In my opinion, anyway, but... um, Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, these were a few brainwashing techniques that Ray took from the case of Cameron and Janice Hooker, who um, kidnapped a woman and basically kept her in close the same way. But it was from a book on that case called The Perfect Victim. Um, One, suddenly and unexpectedly abduct and then isolate. Refuse to answer any questions. Place them in a cell-like environment. Um, Remove clothes, begin humiliation and degradation. Number two, physically or sexually abused to expose vulnerability. And this is um, in huge part to shock and then to disorient. Number three, remove normal daylight patterns. So constant light or dark. Number four, control urination, defecation, and menstruation. Be present during these activities to destroy the uh, sense of privacy. Yeah. Number five, control food and water. This is part of making the captive dependent. By the way, uh, cult leaders use a lot of these very same techniques. Yes, they do. We'll be getting into that a bit um, next week when we do the show on Nexium. Right. Let's see. uh, Punish for no apparent rhyme or reason. And this is important because the uh, captive is usually trying to figure out a rationale for these things. You keep them disoriented. You keep them pliant. If, um, right. you know, you constantly throw them off their toes with that. Uh, number seven, require the victim to constantly ask permission for everything. And that's just, you know, straight up um, training, conditioning, if you will. Mm-hmm. When you require that. Number eight, establish a pattern 
of abuse. And what this does is, according to the psychologists, it ingrains a sense of permanency for the situation at hand. Right. It makes them think they're not going to get out of it. Helpless, helpless and hopeless. Yes. Um, number nine, continue to isolate. And what this does is I found very interesting. People are basically um, information hungry. And if you make it to where you are their only source of information, they're going to do essentially anything they can to please you if you are their captor. Right. Um, number 10, present goal or model of future behavior. That one's self-explanatory, how to please your captor. Um, 11, threaten your family or, and their relations with similar fate. Number 12, threaten to sell the victim to an even worse master. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Number 13, continue to beat and torture at irregular intervals. Number 14, allow small privileges for no reason. And that makes them, again, more pliant and keeps them off their toes. Right. And this is the counter to the random punishment. Yes, it really is. And it's to, it's to make everything feel, uh, on the one hand, there's, a, there's, like a, there's a bit of structure to their environment. But on the other hand, there's a, also a sense of randomness. And that yes. and that strikes an imbalance in the mind for sure. It does. I I don't know if you could call that cognitive dissonance, but hey, maybe you could. It's sort of like that anyway. Yeah, you know the brain, the brain grasps you know at any sense of structure and order, and then you disrupt that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's fucked up. And then the last one on here, incorporate new behavioral controls. Allow some freedom, then randomly appear. And the goal behind this is to make things make you seem omnipresent to the captive. Hmm. So yeah, that's a few techniques that he would use quite often, but um. Yeah, I mean, you go through this history again, back to it with um, he and then his daughter grabbing these girls. Um, I'm flipping between a couple of different legal pads here. So bear with me just a second. So when did this girlfriend come into play? This was later on in the uh, late 90s. She came around. First, there was a guy by the name of Roy Yancey who had uh, dated Glenda, his daughter, Jessie Ray. And okay. um, they had a bunch of different um, drug connections and prostitute connections in there. And um, they had actually brought a... Uh, Hooker, who was a heroin addict and an ex of 
ANSIs to the um, toy box. And they kept her around for also about three days. And then when they were done, they ordered Yancey to strangle her. And he um, ended up doing that under duress from David Parker, Ray, and Jesse. And it was after that that Hendy sort of made her appearance. She was actually on the run from the law in Washington State for selling cocaine to an undercover cop, interestingly enough. Huh. <laughs> but, um, yeah. She gets down there, and she sort of makes her way into this, and she starts a relationship with Jesse Ray. But what's really weird about this, at the same time that she has this relationship with Jesse Ray... She starts another one with David Ray. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well... and they know about it. All three of them know about that. So, well, you know, another... Geez, that's... That's weird. <laughs> yes. That's, that's messed up. That's exceptionally weird, definitely. Um, but yeah, they um, were known for having uh, occult orgies is how they were described at the trailer. And there was one Halloween where they had a, um, you know, a big party, an orgy there. And she basically tells this whole huge crowd of people that I'm David Parker Ray's girlfriend. And it just sort of went from there and they became uh, more or less monogamous. And he's kind of like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically. And it, it was during that time that um, Ray showed her the toy box. And I think he really, he saw somebody that he, that could function as a colleague for him too, right. as kind of an equal, if you will. And he um, starts training her on all this stuff. And there was one week where she was leaving town for a wedding without him. And that is where they decided that they were going to get a sex slave. Oh. And he actually, before this, drafted a, hand, a um, typewritten memo to her that's called Handling the Captive. And I have a, a couple points from it verbatim in here. Um, number one. The new female captive should be gagged and blindfolded with wrists and ankles chained. Um, two, move her into the recreation room, place her body under the suspension chains. Three, stand her up under the chains and lock her wrists well above her head. Place the neck chain around her neck and lock it in place. It is permanent. Five, clip her leg irons to the floor chain. Six, Use scissors to slowly remove her dress, blouse, or sweater. Cut and remove the bra. Seven, fondle and abuse her breasts, nipples, and upper part of her body. Eight, keep her blindfolded to increase disorientation. Use verbal abuse, dumb bitch, slut, etc. 
Nine, slowly unzip, open, and remove the lower clothing, cut or rip the panties off. Ten, fondle and abuse her sex organs, continue the verbal abuse. Number eleven, attach the overhead suspension straps to her body, ankles, waist, hips, and upper chest. Twelve, remove the leg irons and tighten the ankle straps, pulling her legs upward until the middle part of her body is horizontal. The ankle straps will force her legs wide apart. Thirteen, tighten and adjust the waist, hip, and chest straps until the middle of her body is straight. Fourteen, clip the short floor chain to the bottom ring on the waist belt so she cannot jerk or lift her body upward. Uh, Fifteen, at this point, the captive is suspended at a convenient height. Immobilized and fully exposed, she is very uncomfortable, disoriented, and probably terrified. Do not cut her any slack. Continue a lot of verbal and physical abuse. Keep her off balance. Do not give her time to collect her thoughts. Use her body aggressively during the first hour or two. She will swear, struggle a lot, and exhaust herself. 17. Particularly if the electroshock machine is used extensively. 18. Intensify her fear. Tell her how she is going to be kept as a sex slave. Describe in detail how she will be continually raped and tortured. Work on her mind as well as her body. And the last point, number 19. Keep her body suspended two or three hours. Then roll the gynecology bench directly beneath her. Lower her body down on the bench, release one arm or leg at a time, and secure it to the bench until she is strapped down. Buckle all the straps on her body until she is totally immobilized, feet in the stirrups and knees wide apart. He has a note. The shock value of disorientation plus continued verbal abuse and physical abuse during the first few hours of confinement will have a great influence on how docile and subdued the captive will be during the remaining period of captivity. If it is done properly, she will be intimidated and much easier to handle. Jesus, that's just draining to listen to. It is. It's draining as hell to read, too. And just the way that he's so scientific about it. And this is before he'd ever done this, but it seems... I mean, he just well, I mean, ima- he... he just imagined all this, or did he? Pra- he must have practiced this already. Yes, yes. I mean, he had gotten quite a few and had honed his craft, as it were. Okay. But, but, but he's he's trying to teach his girlfriend how to do it. Yes. Was, trying he... to pass along the info. But um. All right. So what happened to this motherfucker? Well, going back to 1999, where we started with the uh, escape of Cynthia Vigil, what happened that day was Ray was at work and um, Cindy was in the kitchen making sandwiches inside the trailer where um, Vigil was confined in the bedroom. And apparently Cindy was a little careless about where she left the keys for the... uh, chance and cynthia was able to get it and she was also able to grab an ice pick that she had been tortured with 
And so when um, Cindy sees this, she rushes at her, hits her over the head with a lamp, but Cynthia was able to stab Cindy in the head with the ice pick and run away. Wow. So, yeah, they um, did that. And, of course, after, you know, they're chasing her, but she manages to get to A this house. person's house. Yeah. yeah. And get the cops there. And the um, police, they show up and they get probable cause to search and they find this trailer that's padlocked that they're having issues getting into. But they finally do get into it and open the sucker up and see all this. And they call in the um, New Mexico State Police, their Bureau of Investigation, and the FBI, who starts cataloging everything. And one really sad thing about this, there was a, uh, F a female FBI agent who was 36, and she was so... Um, apparently shook up by everything. Her task was to go in and draw, physically draw, sketch all these different implements in there. Why? I actually asked a buddy of mine who's in law enforcement why photographs wouldn't work better. Yeah. And he said that a big part of that is illustrating the mechanics of the torture devices. Oh, like movement and that type of thing? Yes. Okay. And um, so, so you could heard... so you could draw it in this position and then this position and how. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And if she does this over five days. She um she hands in a report, flies home to El Paso to her family, and that same night she takes her service revolver and blows her brains out. Jesus. And, you know, they think it was over what she saw. I'm not aware she had any other issues either. Um, so, yeah, and that happened. And they take Ray into custody, of course, throughout all this. Mm -hmm. And they charge him with numerous counts of sexual assault, of uh, rape, and torture. But they can't charge him with murder. They don't have any bodies. You know, right. No, right. no corpses through any of it. I mean, and, I mean, technically it's possible, but you need a shitload of other evidence to convict somebody of murder without a body. Yes, absolutely. But, um... Yeah, they um, go through there, and they're charging Jesse Ray, too, and neither of them are being cooperative. But what they end up doing with it, Ray pleads guilty to everything in exchange for Jesse getting a sentence of time served. Really? Yeah, time frickin' served. So she is out of prison. What? Like Weeks? that. Yeah, Days? basically. Jeez. Basically, and he, you know, went into prison after that, but he also got off. Literally, the day he was going to start serving his 300-plus year sentence, yeah. he collapsed and died of a heart attack. <sighs> yeah. But what was he convicted of? 
Well, he um, took the guilty pleas on oh. the sexual assault and uh, rape okay. and torture. But no murders. No murders. Not on Billy Ray Bowers, not any of the women. Nothing. Wow. So, yeah, you have the serial killer who was never even charged with murder. Much less convicted. Yep. I mean, but he, he was... He was he was gonna have a three hundred year sentence. Yeah, I mean that's oh, yeah. that's uh, that's all right. I mean they threw the max at him, and then the judge actually added on a third for aggravation. Well, a lot of questions died with him. A lot of answers. I mean, yeah, unfortunately. As to who, especially who his friends were. Because it was, you know, only them and then uh, Cindy Handy. She got charged too, but I'm trying to remember how much time she got. I didn't think it was that much. Oh, yeah, that's right, because she was paroled in 2015. So she didn't take that much time either. And then um, Roy Yancey got some time over the murder of his ex-girlfriend. Oh, she was released last year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Last July. And at the wrong note. It's because I can't tell the difference between my nines and my fours, apparently. (laughs) But... Yeah, the cops estimated about 30 murders. Although Hendy said it was around 60. Hmm. So, Ray, yeah, they gave him the max plus a third for aggravation. Oh, and yeah, the toy box is actually preserved on the lot of the FBI's Albuquerque field office. Almost forgot about that. But, you know, if they had taken him to trial and they had one, he would have only faced about 93 years, too. So that's good. Not as satisfying when the son of a bitch dies the day he's going to start it, but... Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, probably one of the more sadistic ones we'd have ever covered. This son of a bitch, man. Yeah. Undoubtedly one of the smarter ones, too. You know, he was never very good at school, but man, he was a prolific craftsman. Well, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, you know, um, like a craftsman, tradesman kind of a perspective, um, those things don't require, a lot of them don't require book learning. Yeah, they don't. They require experience. They definitely do. And he found ways to get experience. Um, it, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, 
this is just um, this is just numbing the effectiveness of this guy. And so imagine what if there was a guy out there, multiple guys who were like this, only smarter. Yeah, it's terrifying. Man. Uh, and, you know, let's not give the women any breaks either because clearly there are women willing to go along with this kind of shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the couple of victims that were found, too. Um, there was one, actually, who they were um, trying to identify because they saw a... Uh, tattoo that ray had neglected to cover up in the video right okay so they were going after that they actually put it out in the media and there was this um, woman in colorado who saw it and she had described meeting jesse ray at a uh, bar in truth or consequences and what ultimately happened from that she was newly married and she was having a shitty time with the new husband. She goes there, she drinks one beer, and Jesse Ray had drugged her oh. and taken her back to her dad's place to be tortured. And so she's missing for three days. And when Ray's done with her, they drop her off at her in-law's house. And Ray, you know, he's in his official truck. He's got his ranger's outfit on. He tells them that he found her wandering the beach in a haze. The beach really? of Elephant Butte Lake. Yeah. And her um, in-laws are pissed, justifiably. They think she went on a bender. Right. And her husband ends up divorcing her, but she um, moves to Colorado, gets remarried, but she can't be intimate with her new guy. She doesn't even let him see her naked. And she doesn't know why. She thought it was just nightmares that she was having. But then she saw this on the news. She said, that's me. You know, it's my tattoo. Wow. And the um, FBI ended up showing her the video of what happened to her. And it all came back. But it, they were only able to identify her and then one other victim. Out of all those women. No telling where they are, where they ended up. No, and not at all, especially I mean, if he sold the lot of them down in Mexico. Yeah. Man, that's just, that is, God, that's fucked up. Yeah. I apologize if this was a bit much for people, but... I mean, it is, it's, it is, it's, it's just, it's kind of overwhelming. I mean, Fish, Fish was a whole different kind of character, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, he was, I mean, Fish was psychotic. He was adult. Yeah. In his mind. David Parker Ray was not. He was he very didn't. lucid. Yeah. Yeah. Very Maybe that's very what deliberate. makes it more. Yeah. yeah. Makes yeah. it more scary. Right. He, he wasn't, wasn't a crazy, crazy guy. He, he wasn't running around like a crazy guy. And, you know, he was just a guy doing what he liked. 
Yep. But, and you know, with this show, I do my best to show the evil. And if I censored a good lot of that, I don't believe I'd be doing that. Right. I would be showing you properly if I censored it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. The whole point of this show is to show that um, you can't you can't spot these fuckers. You, you know, no. I see so many memes posted by women about you know being able and and comments about being able to sense people's vibe and their energy and all this shit, and that'll keep you safe and you can steer clear of the bad ones because of their energy and their vibe and that is such fucking bullshit oh yeah if you if you buy into that you you could end up dead yeah i mean i definitely agree with that and you know and david parker ray he was another one that's described as jekyll and hyde by a lot of people you know I mean, with um, Jesse and with, I think he had like two other kids that he didn't spend much time with, but they all described him as, you know, a Dr. Jekyll with the kids, but then with his wives, he would turn into Hyde. Yeah. Although he never tortured any of them at this level. But yeah, I mean, there's also some conspiracy theories out there that... Um, that one of the people who was a friend who would come to the toy box was the owner of that bar where um, he would pick up a lot of these women. And really? then also others in um, law enforcement and in high places in that community. That stuff is unsubstantiated, though. I couldn't find any good sources saying that. And, and really, uh, what's the... Um... I mean, it's not like these guys really got off easy, right? No. And they could no. they could absolutely have played that card, right? If once oh, they yeah. were caught. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, they could have. They could have traded that information for lighter sentences. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely with something like that. And, you know, I don't think it's um, out of line to say that there was some sort of conspiracy there because you have to have that sort of thing to um, network in a black market the way that David Parker Ray did. So, you know, there was something shady going on there that was conspiratorial, but did it involve any of the top citizens of Truth or Consequences or Elephant Butte? That I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen any good info on that part. Well, okay then. <laughs> yeah. That's Six our uh, toy box killer. It is. It's about the only one you're going to hear that wasn't ever tried or convicted of murder. Next week we have a very uh, interesting show ripped from the headlines. Yes, Nexium, like the drug, <laughs> like the heartburn medication. Yeah. Hopefully, the show doesn't give you heartburn. <laughs> Maybe it will. Yeah. 
It's disturbing, but it's not this level of disturbing either. Right. So. Right. All right. Thanks once again for your um, impeccable research and your contributions. Always appreciated. Yeah, I like doing it. Good. Mm -hmm. I like having you do it. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.